Welcome to today's audio podcast, a sermon teaching from Grace Bible Church of Akron. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of GBC and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at gbcakron.org. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at gbcakron.org. That's I-N-F-O at gbcakron.org. Also, if you would like to support Grace Bible Church, you may do so by visiting gbcakron.org forward slash giving. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. You know, sometimes um, people just lie to us and we get a feeling, you know, and it's not, it's not a perfect science, but, but we just feel like something's going on that's not, that's not true, something's not not completely uh, honest, someone's not being completely honest with us. And when that's happening, that creates a lot of uncertainty. And um, as we've gone through John, we, we've been looking at some things. John, John talks uh, uh, about definites. He doesn't talk a lot, a lot about what ifs, okay? He doesn't talk about the in-betweens. For instance, in John, uh, he, he tells us that if we're gonna get rid of uncertainty in our life, we, we've got to know the difference between light and darkness, okay? We, we, we've, we've talked about that. He says you must know the difference between love and hate. He says we must know the difference between loving the world and, and loving the will of God. And, and this morning in the passage that we're gonna look at, he begins to say, if we're gonna remove uncertainty from our lives, we must know the difference between a truth and a lie. And if we, don't, if, we can't, if we can't discern that, then we're always going to have some uncertainty in our life, especially when it comes to our walk with God. If we can't tell the difference between a truth and a lie in, in, in following Jesus, then, then we're going to have some, some, some trouble uh, and, and some uncertainty. And so John starts talking about this. He, he describes something that's called an hour of crisis. And I want us to look at what he says, beginning in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. He says, dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many, many Antichrists have come. Now let me tell you, John, now for those of us that have been in church a long time, those of us that are familiar with church language and some church words, uh, anytime we see the word antichrist, uh, it's like our little radars go up. It's, it's, a, it's a key word for some people within the body of Christ. And, and what's, this is what's interesting. Uh, when it comes to this phrase, last hour and antichrist, John is the only New Testament author that used those words. No one else used them. And yet he's talking about these two things as a certain reality in our world. That it is the last hour and there are antichrists. This word last hour, it's the time between Jesus' ascension and his return. So Jesus, uh, when he died on the cross, he rose from the grave, he spent some time on earth with his disciples, then he ascended into, the, into heaven. We see that at the end of uh, the Gospel of Matthew uh, is the best account of that. And he ascends into heaven, and, and he promised that he's coming back. 
And so the last hour is the time between his ascension and when he's coming back. So it's, it, it, the last hour, uh, it, is a, it is a kind of time more than it is a duration of time, if that makes sense. And, and so he's describing a time more than he is defining how many minutes will pass. Does that make sense? And so, and so when he talks about the last hour, he's talking about what, what, what's going to be happening during the last hour, more so than he's saying we're in the last 60 minutes, okay? And then, and then he uses this word antichrist. Antichrist, it means, it means against Christ, or it could mean instead of Christ, so he says, we're living in the last hour, and there's, there's these antichrists, these things in our world that either oppose Christ or are setting themselves up to be something instead of Christ. And, and that's happening in, in the last hour. And anytime we find the word antichrist in the Bible, it, it, has, it has three meanings, okay? It could be... It could be a spirit in the world that opposes Christ. It could be false believers or false teachers who embody that spirit that, impose, that, that opposes Christ. Or it could be referring to a singular person who will lead a world re revolt, a world rebellion against Christ, the Antichrist. That is not what he is referring to in this passage right here when he mentions Antichrist. So we're living in a time of crisis. And what's creating a crisis is, is that Jesus has revealed the truth. And Antichrists have come along and are setting up things that oppose Christ or are setting up things that are instead of Christ and it's creating a crisis because people can't tell the difference between the truth that has been revealed through Jesus and the lies that are being told through antichrists. And it's creating this last hour crisis, the, the time in which we live. And John says if we're, going, if we're going to overcome our own certainties in our walk of faith, we must be able to discern the difference between the truth that has been revealed through Christ and the lies that are being told by antichrists in this last hour, in this time in which we find ourselves living. Sometimes God's word is offensive. We could skip passages. I mean, we could, we could skip over the passages that sometimes offend people, but then we wouldn't be looking at the whole truth of the word of God. And I want you to know this morning that there's a great risk that some sitting right here and some watching online are gonna be greatly offended by God's word today. You're going to strongly push back against what God's word is talking about 
because we are living in a time where Antichrist have convinced us that some of the lies we believe and hold to dearly, we think they're the truth. And they're not. And I, I'm, I'm giving you a warning shot across the bow right now. Some of us sitting here, some of us watching online are going to have to decide today, am I following the truth or am I following a lie? How do we know when we're following a lie? And John, in this passage, gives us three pillars, so to speak, that that followers of Jesus have to hang on to. That if you hang on to these three pillars, these three truths, if you hang on to these, then a lot of other stuff will take care of itself. But we have to hang on to these three. So how do we know when we're following a lie? The first one is simply this. When we think we don't need to be committed to a local gathering of believers. Listen to me carefully. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ and you think you do not have to be committed to a local gathering of believers, you're following a lie. You're following a lie. Look at what John says. This is how we know it's the last hour, all right? This is how he starts his argument. This is how we know it's the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. So what is John talking about? So the entire letter of 1 John was written to a group of believers who have just gone through what we would call a church split. There were, there were a body of believers and, 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 and they all claimed to love the Lord. They all claimed to follow Jesus. And yet there, there arose something up in them, that a, a disagreement, a, a friction between lie and truth came up in, in their body and they split. And there were people who pulled out of that local congregation. They were no longer gonna be a part of what we would call that church. And they split. They didn't split over the music they were singing. They didn't split over the color of carpet. It wasn't, it wasn't anything like that. They split over, over serious issues about who Jesus was, what he came to do, how do you deal with sin. These were the things they split over. And these people pulled out. And then there, there, there was left with this, this group of believers who were now uncertain because their faith had been rocked through this disagreement that happened within their church. And John says that anyone who says, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I don't need to be a part of a local gathering is proving that they're not a follower of Jesus. They're believing a lie. And that kind of flies in the face of much of what we call church in America today because church in America today is for many people, it is simply this is what I do when I don't have anything else to do. As long as there's nothing else going on, I'll engage myself 
with a group of local believers. But if something's going on, I'm busy. Doesn't mean I don't love Jesus. It doesn't mean that I don't believe in God. It doesn't mean that I don't pray or that I, and listen, that's what was going on here. That's exactly what was taking place here. There was a group of people who said, you know what? I don't have to be a part of that group of people to follow Jesus. I don't have to do that. It's a popular lie today that we don't need to be committed to a local church to be a healthy follower of Jesus Christ. It's funny what we call committed. Did you know that before COVID hit, what was considered to be a committed church uh, person, person that was committed to a local body of believers, a local church, that, that they came twice a month. That's, that's what was, was considered to be a, a committed person to a local body of believers, someone who, who was engaged. I'm not saying they came to church on Sunday twice a month. I'm saying they did something twice a month with their local church. They were considered a committed person. I can tell you after COVID, that is not even close to what's happening. It's not even close. There are people sitting here right now, people watching online right now, who we won't see you for another five or six weeks. You won't engage again for five or six weeks. And during that five or six week period, you're, hey, I believe in Jesus. I follow God. I pray. But I don't really need a local church to remain a healthy follower of Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, friend, that's a lie. That is not the truth. We are committed to all kinds of things, way committed than we are to our local brothers and sisters in Christ. I mean, we are committed to our kids' activities. To those of us that have kids, we make sure they don't miss a thing. We're committed to our career paths. We're committed to educational paths. We're committed to our sports teams. Heaven forbid my team play at a time when the local church has asked me to do something for Jesus Christ. Because if there's a conflict between my favorite sports team and my, my, my following of Jesus Christ at, at the local church, well, we kind of know who wins, don't we? That's exactly what John is dealing with right here. What happens when there's a conflict between what Jesus Christ is asking us to do in the local church and what our kids, what we've committed our kids to do throughout the week? Who wins? I could spend a lot of time on this. But that's, that's what John is talking about. When there's a conflict between your career path and what Jesus has asked you to do within the local church, who wins? That's what John is saying. He, he's gonna unpack it. We're gonna see it as we go through this. 
But, but basically what is going on, this group of people that pulled out of this church that John wrote this letter to, they, they used two words to describe why they left. Their words, they, they were key words, they were churchy words back then, and even today, one of them is still a churchy word today. It, it was the words anointing and knowledge. They said, they said, we have an anointing from the Lord that has given us a new knowledge. We now know that we don't have to be a part of the local church. I mean, we don't have to be committed to other brothers and sisters in Christ within the local church to follow Christ. We don't have to do that. We have a, an anointing. We have a knowledge that has released us. And in essence, what they're saying is we have a new truth. We found a new way to do this so that we do not have to be responsible to loving others in the body of Christ. John says, that's a lie. You can't follow Jesus Christ healthy, in a healthy way, and do that. He's not talking about their salvation. He's not talking about whether they're saved or not. He is simply saying, there is no way. There is no way you can have a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ and not be committed to a local church. He's simply saying there's no way that can be. But we're not so sure we believe that, do we? I can tell you, as being a pastor for 30 years inside the American culture, I can tell you, that many of us sitting here, many of us watching online, do not believe that. We don't believe it. John goes on to remind his readers of something. He says, he, he's dealing with their key words. He says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. What is John saying? You see, all true followers of Christ, they know God and they have an anointing from God. This anointing is what we call the Holy Spirit. We receive it when we, when we pray to, 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 to receive the grace that Christ has offered from the cross. Anytime person, a person receives that grace offered from the cross and they enter, they're, they're born again. That's what John talks about, being born again. When that happens, at that moment, we are anointed with the Holy Spirit. And because we have the Holy Spirit within us, we can always recognize lie from truth. Because there is no lie in the truth. There is no lie in the truth. And so the Holy Spirit confirms within us when we, when we encounter truth, the Holy Spirit embraces it. When we encounter a lie, the Holy Spirit says, wait. There's a nudge inside of us that lets us know when something is truth or when something is lie. And John is saying here, he's saying, listen, I'm not writing this to you because you don't know the truth. I'm writing this to you because you do know the truth. And the truth is, every, listen, every believer of Jesus Christ knows they need their brothers and sisters in Christ. 
They know. It is not a hobby. It is not something they do when there's nothing else going on. They know they need those relationships. They know they do. And anyone who comes along and says, oh, you don't need that. You can follow Jesus without that. You don't, you don't have to be a part of a local gathering of believers. You don't have to, John said, that's a lie. That's a lie. That is simply not the truth. There's another thing that happens. Another way of when we can know we're following a lie. It's when we think that Jesus Christ is one of several options to deal with sin or what we would call become a better person. John goes on to say, who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is antichrist. What does that mean? Such a person is either opposes Christ or is, or is exalting something other than Christ. He says, anyone, anyone, whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ, such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So these people that, that had left this local gathering, that they, they, um, they were saying there's other ways to deal with sin than Jesus. There's other ways to become a better person than through Jesus Christ. That's what, that's what they were saying. That's what they were promoting. They weren't saying Jesus is not good. They weren't, they weren't saying that, oh, you shouldn't listen to Jesus. Jesus is a really good teacher. He, sa- he teaches some really good moral things, things that we should listen to. But he's not the only way to deal with your sin. He's not the only way you become a better person. He's not the only way you come to know God. That's what they were saying. And John says, that's a lie. That's a lie. There is no other way to deal with sin in our life except through Jesus Christ. There is no other way to become a better person except through Jesus Christ. There is no other way to know God except through Jesus Christ. And that is so exclusive. I get it. That is so exclusive. And we're living in a world that says if you're exclusive, you may be bad. You need to be inclusive. You need to be accepting of others. Listen to me very carefully. We can accept anybody. That doesn't mean we agree with them. And I know we're living in a day and time that says, that says if you don't agree with somebody, you gotta destroy them. That is not the Christian way. That is not the Jesus way. The Jesus way is to accept people, love them, and when you have a disagreement, you say, I disagree here, and here's why I disagree. But I still love you. I still accept you. I just disagree with you. Well, that's a lost art in our culture. We have all kinds of ways of dealing with sin other than Jesus Christ, even those of us sitting right here we have all kinds of ways of dealing with our sin apart from Jesus Christ. Sometimes what we do is we just say, uh, that's not sin. Even though the Bible said it is sin, we say it's not sin. 
and, and in essence, we already kind of dealt with this a little bit. In essence, what we've done is we've said, God, you lied to us. You called something sin. I've done it. I think it's pretty good. I don't think it's a sin. So God, you lied. We, we do that. So the, us sitting right here. This, that's not what happens out in the world. That's what happens right here. That's what happens to people watching online right now. Those of us who say we follow Jesus, we know, we know there are things we do in our life that are sin. And instead of turning to Jesus to get rid of that, we justify it. And we say that's antiquated. That's old. That doesn't apply now. I've done it. It's not that bad. I don't think it's sin. Sometimes we think we can make ourselves a better person by just changing our habits. You know, and we can, listen, human willpower is pretty strong. It's pretty strong. How do you know? Because I've seen people lose hundreds of pounds of weight, hadn't you? And then, you know, most of the time that when I talk to people who've lost a lot of weight, they're not talking about what Jesus did for them. They're talking about everything they did to lose weight. I exercise more. I changed what I ate. I only drank honey. I don't know. Whatever it is they do. Whatever it is that they do to lose weight, it's what I did. It's what I did to make myself a better person. The same holds true for people who break addictions of different kinds. Listen, this is, this is how I stopped smoking. This is how I gave up drinking. This is how I gave up my drug addiction. This, this is how I gave up pornography. It's, it's not through Christ. It's through, this is what I did. That's how we do it. That's antichrist. That's a lie. If we, if we want to become a, a better person, if we want to truly deal with our sin, if we really want to walk with God, it is only through Jesus Christ. It's not through what we do. You say, well, how can that be bad if someone loses a lot of weight? How can that be bad if someone breaks an addiction of some kind in their life? How how can it be bad? Because, Because if it's about them, if it's what they did, now they're just full of pride. Look at, look at me. Look at what I did. And John says, that's, that's a lie. He, he goes on to say in these verses, he says, as for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. He says, he, he says, See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. What beginning? Our beginning of of, of our spiritual life with Christ. When we are born again, we know that happens through Jesus Christ. And he says, remain in that. Don't, don't, don't believe that, 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 that somehow you, you become alive in Christ and now then you can add to it and make yourself a better person. No, you remain in him. There is no other way to become a better person apart from Jesus Christ. The third thing that can happen when we know we're following a lie is that it's when we allow a personality or a cultural trend to seduce us from the truth. Look at what John says. In verse 26, he says, I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. That word astray means seduce you. John says, I am writing to you about the the Antichrist, the people who are trying to seduce you away from 
the truth. The lies that we encounter in our world, they're not actively trying to seduce us. They're actively trying to seduce us away from the truth we know through these, what I call, powerful personalities and or polarizing cultural trends. These are the antichrists of our time. Powerful, what do I mean by powerful personalities? Do you know what? I've seen presidents and candidates running for president turn believers away from the truth of God's word. Powerful personalities. Powerful arguments that sound so good, so reasonable, but they're not the truth of God's word. And that powerful personality will seduce us away from the truth. If it's not a powerful personality, many times it's a, it's a polarizing cultural trend, something that's happening in culture that, that everybody else seems to be on board with it and it seems to be right. It seems to be the reasonable thing to do, but it's not the truth. And God's people will get seduced by it. And John says that's how you and I can know when we're following a lie is, is that we get pulled away. Someone seduces us from the truth. You know, it's the duty of a good pastor to try to drive away the wolves. But can I tell you something? We live in a day and time when more and more people will say to their pastors, that's not a wolf. That's a puppy. I can play with it and have a good time and feel good about myself. It won't bite me. It won't latch onto me and drag me away. It's a tamed animal. It's a pet. John tells us there are powerful personalities in our world. There are polarizing cultural trends. If we're not careful, they'll seduce us and pull us away from the truth. He goes on to say, as for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you. Again, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. When you're born of God, you receive the Holy Spirit. That is our anointing. That anointing you received from him remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. Listen, what is he saying? He's saying that when we encounter powerful personalities or when we encounter polarizing cultural trends that push against the truth that has been revealed to us through Jesus Christ, the truth that is revealed through the scriptures, 
that when that begins to happen and, and that there should be a check in our spirit, that anointing, the spirit of God inside of us says, wait a minute, that's not true. He says, remain in that. Don't be seduced. Don't be pulled away. So how do we know when we're following the truth? Thank goodness John tells us a little bit about what happens when we follow the truth. He says, and now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him has been born of Christ. Three things that let us know we're following the truth. First of all, we live with clarity, what John calls confidence. He says here that if we continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident. At first reading, that looks like it is saying, I'm not gonna be confident until Jesus comes, but that's not what he's saying. He's saying you'll be living in confidence when Jesus comes. That when he returns, you're already confidently living in the light. You're already confidently living in love instead of hate. You're already confidently living and doing the will of God and hating the world. That you're already confidently following the truth instead of being seduced by lies. That confidence is something that we can have right now as we remain in him. He goes on to say that we know we're following the truth if, if we live in the light. In other words, we're unashamed. He says unashamed. He says that, that we may be confident and unashamed before his coming. People who are unashamed have nothing to hide. There is no darkness in their life. They, they, they live in the light. They have confidence, but they also have light. And, and, and they're not ashamed of what's going on in their life. That's how you and I can know if we're living in the truth. We're following truth. We don't have anything to hide. It doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. It doesn't mean, but you know what we do? People in the light, when they make a mistake, you know what they do? They own it because they're in the light. They're not trying to cover it up. I was doing the best I could do and I made a mistake. I messed up. It's mine. I own it. People in the dark, it's somebody else's fault. Wasn't my fault. Somebody else's fault. They live in the light. The third thing is, is that uh, when we're following the truth, we recognize others living in truth. We begin to see, it, it, it's kind of like a, 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 I don't know, like a secret passcode. When, when you're living in, in the light, you're living in the truth, then other people living in the truth, it's like you recognize each other. After you spend time together, you realize, oh my goodness, that person's in the truth like I'm in the truth. That, that person, that we're, we're together. Spiritually, we're in the same family. Now listen, I know that's the last blank, but don't you dare tune out on me. Because <laughs> I got one more thing I want to I wanna, I wanna close with this closing example. Let me tell you what's happening in our world, and you're going to be tempted to do it this morning. Let's say someone begins to feel ill, and they go to their doctor 
And their doctor begins to run a series of tests on them. Comes up with a diagnosis of what's wrong and then comes up with a treatment plan for how to confront that illness. And that patient, as they listen to their doctor, they listen to the doctor say, here's, here's what needs to happen. To, to I, I, this is what I think needs to be done to overcome this illness in your life. And here's the treatment plan. And that person goes home and they're thinking about what their doctor has said and, and they get online. They begin to Google what their doctor has told them. And as they Google, what they, well, then they find out all kinds of other information their doctor didn't tell them about. They find out all these things out here, personal stories from this person, and this is what happened to me, and oh, my doctor said that too, but I ate grass out of my front yard, and I got better. And, and they share all these different testimonies of things that have happened, and, and now all of a sudden, this person is, well, now, now I don't know what to do. Do, do I listen to my doctor or do, I, or do I listen to what I've discovered on the internet, what I've found out for myself? And now they're uncertain. Can I tell you that's what many of us do with Jesus Christ? The biggest difference in this analogy is, is that our doctors can be wrong sometimes and they don't know everything, but Jesus is never wrong and he knows it all. And he reveals to us through scripture the problem. He reveals to us the diagnosis and he reveals to us the treatment plan. And we walk away and do the equivalent of doing a Google search to make sure he's telling us the truth. And we listen to other people and how they're living their lives and how, and how they do it and now how they appear to be spiritually healthy, how they appear to be doing things and, and, and why, why do I need to do it like, like I heard when I was listening to the Spirit of God? Why do I need to do it that way when that person gets to do it another way? Why do I have to do it this way? And before long, we're treating Jesus just like many of us treat our doctors. We no longer value their opinion. We no longer value his opinion because we think we know better. We have our own anointing. We have our own knowledge. We have our own treatment plan. And I don't think I really have to do it like he said to do it. Can I just tell you something this morning? You may not appreciate everything I have said here this morning. I get it. There's probably someone that could have said it better. But I'm telling you this. I haven't lied to you this morning. You may not have liked what I said, but I haven't lied to you. And you're going to be able to get up and walk out of this room and you're going to be able to turn off your online service and you're going to find other people that are going to tell you stories about their walk with Jesus. And it sounds so much more reasonable than what I described this morning. And you're going to have to decide what you're going to do. If you have the Spirit of God in you, if you are truly born again, he will tell you the truth. And that truth will not disagree 
with others who are following the same truth. But if your truth is always in disagreement with others who say they're in the truth too, somebody's not in the truth. Somebody's not there. It's a lot to think about. It's a lot to digest. Let me leave you with a prayer. It says, Lord, expose the lies that I have accepted as truth. Help me to be committed to a local gathering of believers. Help me to trust Christ alone for salvation and a better life. Rescue me from the seduction of personalities and cultural trends that have convinced me to not follow you. Lord, I want the life that only you can give when I follow truth. Protect me from the lies that are actively trying to lead me astray. I pray it in Jesus' name. I hope that can be your prayer this week. Thank you for being at Grace Bible Church. Thank you for joining us online. Have a great Sunday, and we'll see you next week.